Hound podcast. Hello and welcome to a Horse and Hound podcast advertising series. This is the third episode in the Champion Safety series. I'm Pippa Room, magazine editor here at Horse and Hound. On this episode of the series, we're going to be focusing on body protectors. And I have two guests with me today. Firstly, Rachel Hollerley-Thompson, who is representing the British Horse Society and British Riding Clubs, the BHS and BRC, as we call those organisations for short. Hello, Rachel, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Pippa. Thanks for having me. No problem. Good to have you on board. And we are also today talking to Helen Riley, who is the brand manager at Champion. Hello, Helen. Welcome back to the podcast as you were on last time. Thank you for joining us again. Thanks very much, Pippa. Always good to be here. So, Helen, let us start with you and let's start with the basics with body protectors. I think that we're at a point now in the horse world where everybody accepts why you should wear a helmet to ride a horse, but we're perhaps not quite at the same level of acceptance with body protectors. So from your point of view, why should riders wear a body protector? Well, you're right there, Pippa. You know, not many, as many people do wear body protectors, they do helmets and um, not really quite sure why they've not been taken on board. Um, but if you look at uh, stats and research, We've got body protection is obviously it's equally as important as head protection because of out of approximately 1.8 million riders in the UK, up to about 97% or approximately 97% ride for pleasure. This is a much larger percentage of accidents that occur while riding within this demographic than say your professional eventer or jockey and not just while riding but while you're working with horses and on the ground. So. It's the large percentage of riders that require the maximum protection from something like a body protector and a helmet. So it's really, really crucial that you keep yourself safe. And Helen, for our readers who are not so familiar with body protectors, what areas of the body do they cover and what sort of injuries can they help to prevent or make less serious? So, for example, in a study looking at injury distribution, the largest percentage of injuries occurred to the chest region. So in a a recent study, 54% um, were injured in the chest region, and then the head injuries were 48%, and the next highest was the abdomen at 22%. So you can see out of those three top areas of injury where the injury was sustained, two of those top areas were in the body region where we make sure that body protectors cover those areas to make sure that you have the maximum protection uh, when using a body protector. Mm, so it's very much about protecting that sort of core trunk area by wearing sure, a body absolutely. protector. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and we, we look very, very closely at that within the standards and we make sure it's why the dimensions of body protectors are so crucially important because you have to make sure the uh, protective material is covering those crucial areas. And if your body protector becomes too small, then you're starting to expose those uh, areas that can potentially be impacted. Mm, And that's probably particularly relevant with sort of growing young riders, children, that they are replaced. Yeah. Yeah, I certainly remember having a few different body protectors when I was growing out, but it is important. Uh, Well, all body protectors are made with quite a lot of room for growing, though. So, you know, they can still last through the um, usage period and should cover children from you know quite a quite a age group so it's not like that they're growing out of them within a year because there is 
lots and lots of flexibility within the body protectors built in for, for growing room. Yeah. Oh, that's good to know. And let's talk about some other body protector basics. How often should you be replacing your body protector? You know, I know with a hat, there's a there's a replacement sort of cycle, even if you haven't had a heavy fall. Is that the case with the body protector? Well, body protectors can take more than one impact. Um, but I always, I always start off with the time to look at replacing your body protector is, of course, when it's uh, when you've grown out of it. So when it no longer fits correctly. And a lot of body protectors have crucial markers like red or green or orange markers to show when the body protector is becoming too small. So certainly when it no longer fits or after, say, three to five years, depending on usage. Foam is similar um, in body protectors as it is the polystyrene liner in hats. So the foam is comprised of many, many little air bubbles, a little bit like an aero chocolate bar. And through use, the tiny bubbles in the foam collapse and deplete over time. So it's really, really important that you do replace it after sort of three to five years, obviously three years if you're using it on an everyday basis, five years for occasional use. Or, of course, when you feel a difference in the foam. So after impact, sometimes you can tell where the body protector has been impacted if the body protector foam doesn't recover fully, it starts to have like a, a hardening and you can feel that when you, when you feel and compress the foam between your fingers, you can feel that it started to harden up. And you may have experienced that if you've kept a body protector for a long time as well, that over time the foam goes very, very hard. So if you can feel that change in the body protector foam, then that's definitely time to replace it. Okay, great. So we're starting to, to get on top of our, our body protector needs here. And how should you care for your body protector during that sort of three to five years that you're using it? Is there something you should be doing to wash it or anything like that? Washing, they can be subjected to very light washing, wiping down with a damp sponge, for example. But avoid applying water liberally and you should hang them to dry naturally rather than on augers or radiators because really high temperatures can affect the foam, so that's a definite no-no. Keeping your body protector at ambient temperatures rather than in extremes, so I've seen people that'll keep them in the lorry or in the back of the car, obviously during hot spells of weather, that subjects the body protector to extreme heat, and equally storing through winter in the tap room could you know, put them through uh, colder temperatures than perhaps should you know should really be ideal for storage so i would say store at ambient temperatures take them indoors hang them up and don't store them under heavy objects because i've seen that as well where people chuck them in the back of the car and then they chuck a load of other stuff in the back of the car on top of them and of course when you come to get your body protected from under some heavy objects the foam has been compressed and damaged so just to take care of them and they'll last great and Rachel, let's bring you in here. If you were wanting to buy a body protector, how should you go about that? Um, so I think it's really important, as it is with, with any piece of equipment that, you know, um, you need to fit and um, last and be comfortable in. For me, it's to go to a retailer, try it on and get it fitted correctly to you. I think um, it's going to prevent issues in the future and ensure you're comfortable in the saddle. I think that's really important when you are going to, to sort of uh, make an outlay on an item that is a safety item at the end of the day, take the time to make sure it's right in the very beginning by going and actually trying it on physically. 
Okay. And how important is that fit? I think I know the answer because Helen's already touched on that. But, you know, if you can't find your body protector, can you borrow one from a friend who's a similar size or is that a bit of a no-no? I think, I mean, for us, that's not something we would recommend at BRC, um, simply because, you know, you wouldn't share a hat, you don't share boots, you don't share equipment normally. And in a way, this is even more important than, than a pair of boots, isn't it? Because you are looking at something that is sort of fitting to protect your body from a from a serious injury or even save your life, you know, in certain situations. So it's important that that piece of equipment is fitted correctly to you. Obviously, there's going to be times when there's an emergency and it's better to wear one than not. However, I would always suggest wearing the one that you've purchased just for you. And obviously, you know, with COVID as well, just making sure that biosecurity is considered as well if you are sharing equipment. Um, so that that equipment needs to be cleaned between going between people if, if that is what you are doing. Mm, definitely I think we're all a lot more conscious of of what we're touching these days aren't we mm. and that's a that's a point in riding equipment as with everything else Helen coming back to you can you give us a quick rundown of what body protectors champion has in its in its stable so to speak sure uh, so champion have something for all budgets we have uh, two main body protectors the first being a tabard style body protector that's our flex air and then we have the TI-22, which is a SegTech block construction body protector or looks like a block construction body protector with a zip up the front. Uh, the same performance level on all of our body protectors of EM13158 beta level 3, regardless of budget and, and overall cost. And tell us a bit more about that TI-22 body protector. What are the big benefits of that to riders? Well, I would say, and, and I often say when I'm at shows and I'm trying to explain what makes ours stand out from uh, any others in the marketplace, you have a block construction type of body protector or you have a flat foam body protector. They're generally the two choices in the marketplace. Now, with the Champion SegTech construction, you've got a little bit of the best of both worlds. So you have, we start off with a flat piece of foam and then we channel out grooves in the foam to look like individual blocks. And what this means is that not only is it then block construction looking and very flexible, because it's still in effect one whole piece of foam, nothing can penetrate through the gaps between the blocks. Now. If you think about it with a block construction body protector, if you're going to have a block construction body protector where the, the blocks of foam are single items of foam, when you're manufacturing that type of body protector, you have to put the blocks really, really close up tight together to stop anything like twigs and branches penetrating between those blocks. So if you have that kind of situation where you have two blocks butted very, very close up to each other, and then you try to bend them and flex them, those blocks have got nowhere to go because they're butted right up close to each other. But with our SegTech construction, because we have the grooves placed into the flat foam, which in effect separates the blocks by, say, five millimeters, when you then go to flex the body protector and move those two blocks side by side next to each other, they have that five millimeter gap in between, which is not a full gap. It's 
just a reduction in the thickness of the foam to be able to flex into. So that gives ours much more superior flexibility and comfort. Mm, so you're really combining top-notch safety with not being able to penetrate through with, with, the, with the greatest comfort that a rider can Absolutely. get. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that Champion also sells separate shoulder pads to add to that TI-22 model. How important is it that people do do buy those additional shoulder pads? Well, shoulder protectors have been found that they can prevent up to about 80% of shoulder and collarbone injuries, according to a study and reported by Beta. So crucially important that you protect that area. There are a lot of incidents and accidents that do cause shoulder and collarbone injuries. So really, it's like putting 75% of a garment on. So putting the body protector on and then not adding the additional protection of the <clears throat> shoulder protectors. If you want to be 100% fully protected, then you should cover all areas of the upper torso um, with the chest, the abdomen, uh, all of the soft organs, and um, of course, your collarbone and uh, shoulder area. Mm, collarbone injury is so common in riders. Sure. Um, and Helen, tell us a bit about the sort of development and testing of body protectors. What what goes into making sure they offer the right protection? How does Champions sort of go about that? Okay, so we um, absolutely build to perfection and test to destruction. And um, anything that we, we have in development, we spend many, 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 many months um, developing it, testing it, checking it over and over and over again. So we manufacture all of our body protection garments to the EM13158 beta level 3. That is a European standard, plus the beta level 3 is, in effect, the equivalent quality mark to a kite mark. So it means it's tested, every batch is tested annually to make sure that the quality remains intact. We uh, put it through test in several different ways. First of all, all of the dimensions are very, very carefully measured to make sure that we are covering all of those areas of the body that you know would be vulnerable. And we test under various conditions. So we have a narrow bar striker, which is quite a, a severe striker and often other garments in other sports are not put to this test because it is so severe but this is meant to uh, replicate things like the metal uh, post holders in um, show jumping and, and eventing branches curbstone like falling onto the the side of a curbstone so we will drop the narrow bar impactor and the flat impactor onto the body protector we put a sensor in the anvil underneath the body protector so that we can measure the transmitted forces and we drop the narrow bar and the flat bar at uh, different meter um, speeds per second and then we measure from the sensor in the anvil we measure the kilonewtons of force that are um, getting through transmitting through to the anvil which in effect would be the, the, the wearer's body so we're not allowed anything greater than four kilonewtons um, on average for any impact and no greater than six kilonewtons of transmitted force on any single given impact so very highly tested and also the standard requires that you test all the weak points so for example if the body protect has a zip 
then we make sure that the zip area is protected by having foam underneath and that those areas also perform just as well as the rest of the body protector. Okay, really interesting to hear how that's all done. And that's the beta level three standard that you're talking about, which is what people should be looking out for? That's right. It's the EM13158 beta level three. There is also a, another standard called, it's the ASTM, which is the US standard, which tests for pretty much the same criteria where body protectors are concerned. It's not the same for helmets, but where body protectors are concerned, it's almost like for like, um, albeit a, a few small minor differences. Um, but the, the beta level three is what you should be looking out for, which is the purple label for 2009 and the blue label is the most up-to-date 2018 standard. Great. And Rachel, coming back to you on this and linking into this point about standards, is that the same standard of body protector that's required at BRC competitions? It is indeed, yeah. So any discipline um, where body protectors are mandatory, it is that beta level three, purple 2009 or blue 2018 label that you're looking for and those labels are pretty clear to see nowadays i think manufacturers are, are doing a good job at putting them in kind of obvious places um so you should be able to identify that pretty easily mm, and as i was getting ready for this i was just checking the uh, british eventing rule book as well and it's the the same thing that level yes. three yeah and those two years so should be something that's easy enough to find on your body protector as rachel says and rachel if someone was riding it at a brc competition how do we make sure that um, competitors do have that correct standard of kit what's the process um well we use official stewards at all of our area qualifying competitions um, and those stewards are actually trained uh, regularly they come to um initial training and then refresher training um for the length of time that they want to remain an official steward for us and we go through quite a robust training procedure checking body protectors so we have a huge stash of body protectors both correct to the right level and incorrect and they basically um, have a session of walking around picking them up looking at them handling them finding the labels so that they become comfortable with um you know where the labels might be and things like that and and so then on competition day, uh, we try and check as much as possible before a round. So upon declaration, perhaps would be a good place to do it. We'd keep a list and tick people off when we've checked their body protector. If it's not done, and sometimes it can't be, and sometimes we'll look to spot check after a round has finished. Um, and obviously, if you are checked after a round and found to be in the incorrect standard, then you would be disqualified after that round. So it is really important to abide by that ruling. Okay, so good to understand how that works, those BRC competitions. And just talking about different sorts of competition, there's a new ruling around riders having to wear body protectors to jump in British Show Pony Society Working Hunter classes this year. Helen, that's right, isn't it? Can you fill us in on that? Yes, absolutely. So it's a good rule. Obviously, it encourages further take up of body protection. Um, and that rule is in force at the moment. And from that, uh, everyone taking part in working hunter classes must be wearing a body protector so so that's really good news that they've taken that on board and um, hopefully other riding associations will follow suit and i know we covered that uh, new ruling in horse and hound and there was a bit of debate about it and i think it links into what we were saying at the start of the podcast that wearing a hat is so well accepted now but perhaps not so much with a body protector and obviously in the showing world where people are maybe concerned about sort of the line of their coat or how they look but really it's time that uh, you know body protectors became the new normal and there was just no stigma attached to wearing one that's sort of the the message isn't it helen 
No, absolutely. I, I'm not really quite sure why the stigma is attached to, you know, the wearing of something like a body protector. Um, I would certainly be uh, more welcoming to that stigma than having a punctured lung, for example. Um, obviously, protecting yourself has to come first and, you know, really must consider that as top priority. Absolutely. And body protectors can, you know, look smart and, and be very comfortable. So it doesn't really have to be a downside wearing one like you were absolutely, saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you think about the areas of the injury distribution that I talked about earlier, then, you know, it's clear to see that there are uh, a greater amount of injuries to the abdomen, to the chest and the abdomen. So therefore, it's really crucial to be wearing a piece of performance equipment such as body protectors. And uh, with something like the TI-22, you can be, you know, protected and, 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 and actually very smart comfortable. and comfortable. Yeah. yeah. And if the weather's cold, they can help to keep you warm as well, I find. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and Rachel, from a BHS and BRC point of view, what's your view on this and on the advice we need to be putting over to riders? Uh, yeah, I, w I completely agree with Helen. I think that body protectors should be the norm um, and not just in competition for me. Uh, I don't think there's any other piece of equipment that you would just put on on competition day. That would seem to me to be slightly odd. I think you should be training in it at home and making yourself really comfortable so that it doesn't feel new or different when you're at a competition. And also, like hacking down the road, we all know the dangers, um, you know, that we, we face out riding on the road. So um, you've also not got medics with you when you hack down the road like you would have for a competition. So it's just as important, perhaps even more so when you are on your own or, in, or on the road or anything like that, to make sure that you are as protected as you can possibly be. Just make it feel as normal as possible to ride in a body protector so that when you uh, come to a competition, you feel really comfortable. I, I would completely agree with Rachel and of course, you know, when you're working on the ground, which is where a lot of the accidents occur from mm -hmm. uh, horse kicks, for example. And also, you know, we, we were discussing earlier about the foam properties and um, we all know that body protective foam uh, works with your body heat and your body temperature. So if you pop your body protector on before you start riding, when you're tacking up, for example, your body protector gets the chance to warm up. And so by the time you actually get on to uh, ride, your body protector is all nice and soft and supple. So it's at, you know, it's at its most comfortable before you even start riding. So not only are you protected on the ground, you're protected when you, when you start riding. And um, yeah, it's, it's absolutely crucial. And, and as we said, the most injuries occur amongst that demographic of leisure riders. Mm, and it's definitely not just something for competition riders. As you say, body protectors are useful even for handling horses on the ground. And Rachel, I know that both Champion and BRC are part of the British Equestrian Trade Association Summer of Safety. Can you tell us a little about that initiative? Yeah, sure. So yeah, we're really pleased to be supporting this initiative again. It started off a couple of months ago back in June and it runs to mid-September. So instead of a safety week, we have got a whole summer, which is great. I think that's really important as everybody's come out of uh, lockdown and they're getting new equipment and things like that. It's important to kind of uh, really, really check what you've got and make sure your equipment is still safe. Give it a good MOT. We're um, supporting that on social media. 
It's covering a load of, of different topics this time as it's got so much more space. So we've got everything from equipment like hats and body protectors to horse health, yard safety, biosecurity and tack and things like that. So lots of different topics for people to um, to, to read about and become involved with. Um, so just keep an eye out on social media. I know we're sharing a lot of things. I'm sure Champion are too. Um, you'll see it quite in quite a lot of places, I think, this summer. Yes, so we are indeed involved in that initiative as well. And we've been producing lots and lots of short clip videos to help with fitting body protectors, correctly fitting, to look at the way that we test the body protectors and show you the different performance requirements that are involved. So lots of good stuff going on. And um, yeah, as uh, Rachel said, it's great to have a complete summer of safety. Uh, which gives us lots of time to to you know explain and and teach and and impart any wisdom we feel we have <laughs> mm, definitely so safety is not just for a week or a few days it's for the whole summer and indeed all year round for life. in fact yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely any final messages from either of you just before we wind up uh, rachel anything final from you I just think um, try and, and get organised with your, your body protector. Speak to officials or people within your club that can help you make sure you've got the right one so that there's no surprises on competition day if you do turn up and, and find out you've got the wrong piece of equipment. There's nothing uh, that's more likely to put you out of your groove than having ha uh, being told that on the day. So just be nice and prepared. Make sure you've got all the equipment you need beforehand. Definitely. And Helen, final messages from you. Um, I would say so make sure that obviously your uh, body protector fits well and you know remains a good fit so always have it professionally fitted and checked um, safety obviously um, goes without saying that you need your helmet and your body protector uh, working with horses you know to prevent kicks obviously body protectors are protecting the soft organs so just think about it twice you know it's a, a body protector there shouldn't be any stigma attached to body protector use you, you wouldn't get in a car without the seat belt so don't get on a horse or work around horses without a helmet and a body protector well, there you have it, listeners. Body protectors are cool, so help us to spread that message and get out there in your body protector, whether you're riding horses or just working around them. And thank you so much to champions Helen Riley and the BHS and BRC's Rachel Hollowley thompson for joining me today to talk about all things body protectors. We will be back in October with the fourth episode of the Champion Safety Series when we are planning to chat to some top riders about why they choose Champion. I hope you enjoyed listening today and do remember that the first two episodes of the series are available in our back catalogue too, so do go back and listen if you missed them. That's it for now. Goodbye. Goodbye.